Hey, it's Paul. And Shamina. And welcome back for Head Boss in Charge. Hey. <laughs> I love how you say it with such enthusiasm. In charge. Yes. Yeah. Uh, how you bossing? No, I was going to go first. How you bossing, oh. Paul? Let's switch it up. <laughs> I'm doing good, doing good. Um, yeah, I have been actually for the past month, uh, I introduced a new member to my family. I am a dog owner. Welcome. Yeah, I have this cute, adorable dog. Her name is Ziggy. Um, she's a year and four months. She's a Chihuahua and Jack Russell Terrier mix. And she's actually behaved really, been behaved really, really well for being a rescue. Um, the only issue though that I've been trying to deal with is her separation anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, which is funny because I got the dog to deal with my own anxiety, but <laughs> I have to deal with another dog's anxiety. For like y'all need creates, each other. <laughs> right. Creates more anxiety for me. But um yeah, every time I leave her home, she barks excessively and very loudly for as long as time exists. So if I'm gone for three hours, she is barking constantly for three hours. Um, and I tried to, you know, stick with her for the first two weeks, form that bond, train her to be by herself. And it's still an issue. And earlier this week, I got a call at work from my landlord saying there's been several complaints. Oh, uh, that's awkward. Barking. Yeah, oh. really awkward. So I just got to this point because I've tried, I've, I've personally made some sacrifices to kind of deal with the slow transition for this dog i was ready for anything like i was prepared to train the dog on everything but i was not prepared for the separation anxiety so unfortunately i'm actually returning the dog to (gasps) yeah the shelter oh no yeah it's really sad and i hate doing it but i just don't have a lifestyle to accommodate this trait that she has she needs Mm -hmm. someone who can be with her every day um, but like I could be in the same room on the opposite side of the, the you know, the room and she's still like whining and complaining that I'm not next to her. It's like, I like how you said she's complaining. Like she talks like, oh, why are we is, so okay. far apart? What are we doing? Yeah. What happened to us? Yeah. So I'm returning her tomorrow oh, and I'm no. going to take a break. Like I definitely want a replacement dog, but I have to, I need First this all, time to kind of mourn my loss. Yeah, I was like, don't call her a replacement dog. Nobody wants to be, like, second fiddle. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> They'll know. She doesn't trust know me. English. <laughs> yeah, she does. You don't think she does? But she does. You also said she complains. So <laughs> in what language is she complaining exactly? Yeah. Um, but, but that everyone sucks. Everyone loves her. Yeah, I know. It's going to be hard. And I definitely, if and when I get another dog, it will be an older dog, someone who's been around the block, is set in their ways and not in ways that are very negative to my living situation. Yeah. My dog has, um, shout out to Jasper. Um, he has, uh, separation anxiety, not, um, that bad. He is, when we got him, he was kennel trained already. And so he like, that's his safe Haven. So, I mean, he gets stressed out if he sees us like packing, like a backpack or a suitcase and he's like will then be stuck to you like glue like following from room to room or like um any like sudden move or if he hears a backpack unzip and he knows it's like the big backpack unzip because apparently they sound different to him 
he will start to get like get nervous. But once he's in his kennel, he is fine. He's like, oh, my safe haven. Nobody's going to come in here except me. And then he relaxes and then doesn't mind. It's, it's, yeah. it's interesting, but he certainly has a, like he gets stressed out and like eyes are all bloodshot and he's like staring at you like, are you going to leave me here? Like all by myself for weeks on end? But yeah, so. Yeah, so you can relate, like very yeah. similar signs. Very yeah. similar signs. Yeah. So yeah, I'm dealing with that and moving on. How are you bossing? Um, let's see, how am I bossing? I am doing fairly well. I'm on a business trip and so I uh, am in a hotel room, which is nice. Um, I also got a chance to go and surprise my mom last night. So I am about an hour and 40 minutes from where she is. So I didn't tell her I'd been texting with my sister for about a week. And I was like, hey, I'm going to come down and surprise mom. Like, is she going to Bible study? And she's like, yeah, I was like, try to get her to not go because I don't like, I'm not just going to show up to Bible study. And then I was like, forget it. I'm just showing up to Bible study. And I walked in and she like gave me the like, oh, somebody new walked in the room and it's like a real big smile. And then all of a sudden she was like, she looked at me as if to be like, the hell are you doing here? I just talked to you and you said you were running errands. <laughs> um, but and then she like touched me to make sure like it was me. Um, and then like she shed a few tears and it was so sweet. Um, and then I stayed for maybe like an hour, hour and a half. So uh, it was a hearty drive. Thank the Lord I found a... Um, a good deal on a rental car or else I wouldn't have gone, but it was a long drive there, shorter drive back because there wasn't as much traffic, not nearly as much, um, but it was completely worth it for me to just pop in and sit right next to her in Bible study. And then like, it didn't click for her right away. And then she's like, I'm so happy. So worth it. I was tired this morning, worth it. Would do it again in a heartbeat if I could. So um, in that sense, that's, that's apparently how I'm bossing. So it, it's been a, a good trip and um, been learning a lot at this meeting that I'm at. So, yeah. But I got to see my mom. Kind of unexpected and surprised for her. And we are back for Water Cooler Talk. And I'm going to take a stab at this week's topic. Uh, something that's been... Um, a topic of conversation a lot within my head and as well as with a lot of my professional colleagues is the idea of FOMO, fear of missing out. And I think this is a very common topic with folks who are young professionals um, in that kind of 20-somethings age group uh, and also maybe even being surrounded in an environment where there's a lot of um, stimulation, a lot of activity in the city, a lot of options, a lot of things going on. And so um, what does fear of missing out mean? Um, for me at least, FOMO is this desire to wanna participate in many different forms of entertainment, media, or even just knowledge or experiences. So it could be from maybe the nightlife scene to maybe consumption of media, maybe the the um, desire and need to um, watch all these movies and television shows and read these books, listen to podcasts, or maybe it's a fear of missing out on friendships or groups or um, just getting that, that, that slice of that experience. 
So, yeah, I kind of just want to delve into what that means for you, um, if that means anything, um, and then kind of go from there. Well, it's funny because I think where I hear most of this FOMO thing, first of all, I think it's funny that it's been acronymized, if you will. Um, not a word, but sounds good. Um, but I hear it mostly like around like social activities and people not wanting to be so kind of part of that definition, less of the like consumption of media, news, et cetera, but more of the like, I don't want to miss out on like this group interaction because I don't want to, I want to be able to keep up with the, the, the conversation from my group of friends or my colleagues or something like that. So I've heard that I've heard more than that, like the, the actual human interaction piece and not wanting to all of a sudden be left out or less become less relevant because I'm not at something. Um, but yeah, I don't, uh, uh, being not a new professional and not, um, anywhere close to my twenties. Um, I don't have that same like FOMO thing. Um, uh, and like really the, I think about it, the way that my introversion is set up is that I, I prefer the, I'm, no, I'm, I'm good. Like, I don't need to be invited to everything or the, um, I try not to be the person that like cancels last minute, but I certainly will be if I'm like, oh, I don't want to go and do something. I'll be like, I'm not able to attend like for, but I'm just not able to attend. I don't have to give you a reason because I'm a grown up and I can make that choice for myself. Um, but yeah, I'm interested to hear about that because I don't, I was going to say, I don't suffer from that. That's not what I mean, but that's the first thing that came to mind. Uh, <laughs> but the yeah. first thing you said, the truth came out. <laughs> it did, it did, because I'm like, I, those are just not things that are, you know, super, like, they're not at the forefront of my mind that I'm going to miss something. I'm like, if I'm not there, I'm not supposed to know it or be involved with it or have access to that information. So, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, definitely for me, it started, it starts with, and for probably a lot of people, this need to be part of this experience so that mm -hmm. you can be part of that story or be the storyteller. Um, or if that story gets retold by someone else, you don't feel left out, right? That you mm -hmm. know exactly what's going on. Um, it kind of reminds me of... Um, you know, in, you know, RuPaul, RuPaul's uh, podcast, What's the Tea? Yeah. He talks about this experience of how uh, fans uh, desire to, to meet celebrities or just get that photo or just say that they met this person because um, it's kind of going back to this uh, concept of being part of the story or claiming that prize. There's something that we we revel in when we say we did this because it might put us above other people who are not part of that story or part of that experience. Okay. So I think I'm just, you know, analyzing where that desire comes from. But I think one layer of FOMO is um, maybe sometimes it's about being part of that experience. And maybe for some people it's more about after that experience, how you get to be part of this, um, you know, group of people that experience something and you can retell the story and no one else mm -hmm. can do it. And some people revel in that experience after that shared experience, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, what do you think, I guess, what do you think is, will happen if you don't, like, 
So say you miss, quote unquote, miss out or something or opt out of something. What do you think is going to happen? I mean, because I can think tangibly about something very real that probably comes to people's mind, but I'll, you share your thought and then I'll share what I think goes, to, goes through people's minds around that. Yeah, I can probably say what happens in other people's minds or like one of many. I'm actually still trying to figure out for myself because the reason that I can think for other people is not the reason for me because I know for a fact it's the same bullshit every day. Nothing's going to change, you know? Um, and that, that's part of my confusion in this. I was like, it's <laughs> going to be the same thing. Like, this whole scenario is likely to happen two days from now. Right. <laughs> and it's like, what, what still drives that feeling? It must be something else, right? Mm -hmm. um, because that, that's when, you know, no matter how much logic of a thinker you are, that's when sometimes your feelings may overtake the logic and, mm -hmm. made, and and this is why we need therapists and that's why we need to talk to people but um yeah my reason for what I think other people um fear is um it kind of goes back to okay the event or the experience is over and now they're put into a situation where everyone's reflecting on that experience and they're unable to contribute so it's this maybe it's a um a feeling of loneliness maybe it's a feeling of um not being a, a part of something larger. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, I was, I think that is probably pretty close to what I was thinking. It's this like, like these relationships with, with people are going to continue without me. Or is this, it's almost like a, um, I need to be a part of this or I'm at some point I'm not going to be a part of it or people are going to stop inviting me to things because I don't show up once or I don't show up twice. And so I think part of that is, you know, ego like I'm so important I must be a part of everything like I need to be there but I think it's also the sense of like the sense of belonging and I want to be a part of something you know I don't want to be left out or I don't want this group to surpass my my um friendship if you will if that makes sense so yeah I interestingly like I think like being at all of the stuff and I, I'm certainly a person who'll be like sure you can invite me but there's chances are like I'm probably gonna say no not all the time um I just really value either being at home with my family or like minding my own business and not getting caught up in like the the shit that happens and the drama and not everything is dramatic um but all of those things that come and I, you know I also don't love to spend money on like frivolous shit for the most part um but yeah, I sometimes wonder, like, how do people sustain being at everything and doing everything? Yeah, um, that's when that practicality um, uh, gets taken over by the these deep-seated emotions of fear of missing out. Um, I, I think it's exhausting. I think this is where my... so. I'm 50-50 extroverted introvert, so I, I oscillate between both. I mm -hmm. exhibit both qualities. And in terms of my energy, there are times where I need to be, you know, uh, in my own space by myself. And then there are other mm -hmm. times I need to be out and about. And I thank my introverted side for sometimes pulling me back and not <laughs> of missing out. It's like this barometer that's just, you know, keeping me in check. But uh, yeah, it's exhausting both mentally, financially, um, 
I think energy wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wonder too if this fear of missing out is linked to any maybe how one grows up. Maybe it is. There's a link between everything is connected to our childhood and shit we did with it. like <laughs> true. Damn near everything. I can't think of a single thing, even if it's a one-time occasion as a kid. You're like, damn, this this is coming up now. You know, some twenty some odd years later. Hmm. Uh, maybe there's this sense of not having things when you were younger mm, and then okay. getting to the point of adulthood and now you have things, now you have a status and now you feel the need to um, experience all these things over and over and over to help sustain your perception of this personal status. Mm. Say more about that. <laughs> not to put you on the spot and to put you on the spot say, say more well, about the personal status thing yeah I think we uh, you know America being this materialistic capitalistic society I think there's a, I, I really am really sold on this idea of maybe it's m- less about the experience but what you can say about the experience afterwards you can okay. add that as like a, a notch on your belt and that helps elevate your status right um or this okay perceived social status i, I think people really like to attach attach that to, to themselves like a prize yeah well it, it, that makes sense when you think about like how people post like endlessly on social media like you know and they say that like of course, you're putting your highlight reel on there, and these are all the great things that you're doing. This is all you're involved in. These are all the people that love and care about you and invite you places, and you invite them places. But really, like, that's your highlight reel. Those are oftentimes not the same people who are um, posting anything aside from, life is great. Everything is wonderful. This is fantastic. Um, so it's the perception that we put out to the world of who we are, how we are, and how we want to be seen. So like we create this narrative around we, I'm not a huge poster on social media, um, but there's this narrative that we create around ourselves sometimes that we want people to see. We want to be seen as the fun one or the proverbial we, as the fun one, or, you know, I have such a great life and things like that. So that makes sense. The status, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, you bring up a really good point about social media. I don't really do things or choose experiences or fear of missing out because I'm not able to post. But I know for definitely the even younger generation, that is definitely a factor in fear of missing out is, goes back to that prize. It's like, I want to do this, less about the experience, but more so so I can post it. That's the prize. That's the stamp on my passport proving mm. that I was somewhere. And that's what, that's what probably gets the, that little jolt, maybe that little bit of serotonin. Dopamine. Um, or sorry, dopamine. I was like, serotonin is um, going to put you to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That boost of uh, dopamine to um, make you feel like, wow, like I, I've done something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I, I definitely have some people definitely in my age group that do the excessive posting um, on places they've been, they're going to or things that they're doing. And um, it's all about, yeah, um, that's the fear of missing out. It's the fear of not being able to promote or show that my life is quote unquote great. Yeah. It, <laughs> when you say that, I think of, as a post- person who doesn't post many things or like make announcements of like, 
I probably like quote unquote made announcements on maybe like three things in my, I don't know, however long I've been on Facebook. And it's usually been like, Hey, I moved or like, I got a new job and I forgot to tell y'all I've been here a month. Um, but <laughs> oops. This your, is my your, first thing. Your post is going to be like, oops, I'm dead. Sorry. I forgot right. to tell y'all. <laughs> Love y'all. Um, send something to my mama. Um, oh, no, I'm not trying to go before her. I, she ain't going to go. This is getting morbid. Okay. Uh, okay. Back up. We'll yeah. But um, back on track. When I think about that, I think I wonder if people then assume that those of us who don't post either post a lot or share a lot on social media, like, are we perceived as like secretive or that we have no, like, we don't have like a fun and exciting life? And I'm like, no, I just I don't feel a need to communicate any of that to anybody. I think that <laughs> trait or that you know, that uh, situation you just described is very telling of the person who's perceiving that. Because if you can perceive, if you may perceive someone as being silent or private because they don't post a lot, that means you're on social media that much to make a judgment about someone else's life, which means that you are very too, really too consumed in this, how people, you know, pr uh, promote themselves on social media. Mm -hmm. um, I think that's really telling. Yeah. How do you feel about this whole FOMO thing when it comes to like work and like your professional side? Hmm. I see FOMO play out a little bit in terms of grass is always greener on the other side. So, okay. you know, we've definitely talked about, uh, even in our episode about, am I on the right bus? Um, I think there are professional careers that we sometimes aspire and maybe want to try something different. And at least for myself, there is a little bit of FOMO of, oh, there's this thing I really want to try out. It's going to take a little work to get there, but I fear, I feel like I'm missing out on something. Mm -hmm. um, I, I see that play out easily in professional careers. I think young professionals are very, um, or the millennials are notorious for switching careers multiple mm. times in the mm -hmm. first 10 years because it's probably FOMO a little bit yeah like I want to do some like this looks great and shiny over here so let me go ahead and do that so I can either say that I did it or like I can feel the feeling of of like I can then be in the photo or be in the experience that I hear about other people being excited about with their your, their job or their role or their colleagues is that does that make sense yeah completely yeah um that, that award, that ticket is the resume. It's like, I want to be able to put this on the resume or I want to say I met so-and-so, CEO of so-and-so, and I worked with them for how many of months. It's, it's the, for the sake of being able to build this, these um, uh, accolades. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't, I don't necessarily have that because I, I think sometimes in work, um, and I'm going to say this knowing that there are, people that I have worked with or are work with or currently work with um, that listen to this show and it's still me. I find myself challenged with um, some, no, I, number one, I'm not super social when it comes to like going out and like, I'm like, I'm going to be in bed at a reasonable hour. I'm going to be in my pajamas by like 630 if I don't have to work out, etc. cetera. Um, but there are occasions where I feel like I need to like show up and be present for social stuff so that I'm not the bitch of the team. You know what I mean? I'm not the asshole who never shows up and doesn't try to engage. And I'm like, 
well, I don't, like, I don't want to most of the time, if not all the time, you know, and I'm right. like, and I'm like, I don't need to, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Why are you laughing? Oh, sorry, because I saw this. Um, <laughs> so, like, I, it doesn't bother me, like, if a whole bunch of people go out and I don't go, like, socially, like, in, you know, at my place of employment. So I'm like, chances are I didn't want to go. Like, I wanted to go home. Because um, I want to spend my time um, with people that I would normally choose to spend my time with when I'm not getting paid. You know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> Which sounds so harsh and maybe a little crass. I'm like, <laughs> if I'm not being paid, then why are we talking? Um, okay. <laughs> I was like, I, I must, I, so I must, and I choose to be at my job because there are elements that are, of it that I like. There's certainly individuals that I appreciate and enjoy working with. But I'm like, after that, I'm like deuces. Like I've, I've put in hard work during the day or the week and I want to spend my time the way that I want to spend my time. So I don't tend to feel guilty about those things. Like every now and every great once in a while, I'll show up at a happy hour or something. And I'll be like, I'm here for 40 minutes. Is the, the conversation I have in my head or with my ride, I'll be like, I'm, I'm going to leave if I drove at the 40 minutes. So you better pay attention. I'm going to give you the cue. And then we're going we gonna to go. Um, or like, I'll be like, okay, if we're going this place, I'll ride with somebody else. But like, if we close to a train, I'm getting out of here when I, after this first drink. I can drink the rest at home. But yeah, I, I am that person. That, and I have to consciously think about that. So sometimes I, I do make the decision to go and show up as, to be part of the team. Because I, do, I don't do my work in a silo. A lot of what I do is kind of to myself, but I, I work on a team and there are projects that we share together. And I know for the importance of like being collegial, it is helpful um, to attend some of those things. Would I certainly give those things thought? And if I have something else planned, and I'm not a rescheduler of my other things, I'd be like, I'll either show up at the tail end or I won't show up at all. Because so I value that that time that I'm not that I've already got something scheduled and I've made that commitment willingly. So you're more of a fear of showing up. <laughs> really, I am not fearful of it. I just don't want to do it sometimes, and I have to. Uh, I've, I've certainly probably paid the price for that too. Like, cause I know a lot of things happen like social interaction wise that people are like, it's, it's who, you know, and how, you know, them. and I know I miss out on some of those conversations and some of those, you know, what could be probably more meaningful interactions. And I've come to a place where I'm okay with that. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't want to sacrifice Yeah. You miss out a little bit on the the human or the, uh, political, um, uh, what's, it, what's it called? Um, capital, I guess, like mm -hmm. the really, the currency. Yeah. The human yeah. currency, you miss out a little bit because it's, it's happening outside of the work setting, but mm -hmm. that definitely comes back into the work setting and things end up becoming a little bit more productive between folks who bond to get bond, uh, together outside of work. Yeah. And I have to be mindful that I, if I want to have meaningful connections with people, I have to find a way to weave that into, for me, into my workday. Um, or to remember things about people or to, you know, talk about things that I know that they have expressed an interest in. Um, and so those are the ways that I 
and working to navigate uh, building some of that polit uh, uh, human capital and political capital even to be mindful of the conversations and, you know, invest during the work day because that is what works for me best. Um, but yeah, not really a fear of missing out. I'm like, I'm good. How, what's your, um, I guess, position or experience with, uh, I think we're in a privileged place to be able to consume information in multiple formats. And I guess, do you ever feel overwhelmed or feel the, the pressure to uh, know things or know information, whether they're things that you are truly passionate about or maybe there are other types of things. You ever, what's your take on, I guess, fear, fear of missing out on information? Um, I don't know if, if I have a, a fear. I consume a lot of information. That's just by nature. I am a person who, when I'm at the treadmill or at the treadmill, at the gym in the morning, like I, my treadmill is the one that's in front of CNN um, because they have like sports center and like a few other like side local channels and I want something with more of a global perspective. Um, but I am the person who, like, that's my treadmill so I can read the closed caption while listening to music or something else. Um, but I consume um, perhaps a slightly unhealthy amount of information just so that I can be informed. And I don't necessarily need to talk about it with anybody, um, but I want to if it comes up to be able to meaningfully contribute. And there's really right now, there's so much shit going on in our country. I just, I, I gotta be mindful of the, the, the headline that's gonna come out and be like, now black, black people are slaves again. And, cause I don't wanna miss that memo. <laughs> I don't wanna be unprepared. And then they show up, oh try to get me and I'll be like, I didn't, wait a minute. I didn't text that one. Did I get that email? <laughs> right? Let me check my email. <laughs> um, I'm like, why are you scanning my retina? Um, so, unfortunately, <laughs> this is a, these are days and times where you got to be pay attention to be like, okay, what, like, are my rights still intact today? Um, so, and, and since uh, the most recent uh, forty since forty five done showed up, I feel like I have to be aware you know, of like when the last day on earth is going to be, I don't know. Like, it's just so, it feels so uncertain. <laughs> These are such extreme examples. I know, but it feels so uncertain from day to day. Like, I don't want to be caught off guard with stuff that is this big. So I, I consume yeah. a lot of information. I read a lot of things um, just by nature. If I am in route somewhere, like on a train, I am just scrolling through the news just to see what has come up, uh, a variety of pieces of news. It's not all political stuff. Um, but yeah, I like to be informed of that way. Mo, I'd say probably good 80% of that stuff I just consume for myself and I'm not talking to anybody about it. Um, but yeah, it's scary now, so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, I, you know, and well, actually, this will prompt a question later about the word fear, but I think when it comes to information, um, I do feel the pressure, and it's only me um, um, that's putting the pressure on myself. I mean, also because I want to be able to discuss things and mm. have mm -hmm. conversations with people. But you know, we have we have television, we have books, we have um, 
movies, we have uh, blogs and music, and there's all these different forms of media that I love using as a platform to consume information. And I think I tire myself out trying to keep tabs on everything, but I tire myself out because there's only so many hours in a day. Mm-hmm. So there's this duality of, I want to consume this information, I'm putting the, but I'm also putting this pressure on myself to know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's a little bit of fear similar to, <laughs> I don't want to miss that memo. <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, when we become <laughs> slaves. But it's also, I think... <laughs> That's not funny, but I was just thinking, it's like, <laughs> you know, we walk into the street, you'd be like... Where are all the black people? Like, what a- did the rapture happen? <laughs> right? <laughs> I know we live in our last days, but I didn't think this was the last day. <laughs> um, but I think it's also fear of, um, you know, based off of how um, education has been ingrained in me growing up, I think there's this fear of not being able to live up to a certain level of intellect because. Okay. I'm not consuming information and shame on me. There's only one person to blame because I'm not making time to consume information. So I'm putting on pressure on myself to consume this information so that I can uh, continue to push myself to be part of those intellectual conversations. Mm-hmm. Sounds a little weird, but... Um, no, not at all. But I also feel um, that there's just too many platforms and very recently have I let go that, you know, the, if, I, if I don't have time for it, I don't have time for it. If I can't contribute to this conversation, I will want when I get to it. Because sometimes going to work, eating and sleeping <laughs> is all I can get through in one right? day, you know. Um, and I, you know, I'll go a couple of days without knowing a single thing about what's happening in the world. And that frustrates me. Mm. What is the source that you use or what are the sources that you use to get your like news, information, et cetera? Right now, primarily it's podcasts. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. So um, what I appreciate about podcasts is that they'll do like a roundup, like very quick roundup of like big key things. Um, whether that's stri- like podcasts strictly reporting news or maybe you know, most of the podcasts I listen to are reacting or giving commentary of things that happen throughout the week. That commentary is informing me, oh, I should go probably read that article that they're referring to. So it at least uh, gives me that, that, um, that breakdown. Okay. Um, surprisingly, I get a lot of news and information from Twitter. Like, hmm. I've, I follow a number of... Um, like sources of news um but i also like there are people that and i can't say that i trust these people because i don't know them so i think you got to trust somebody but if i feel like people are like sharing like articles or information that i have you know kind of dug around and found to be like false or not the full story or ineffective then i'll be like fuck let me follow unfollow this uninformed person because this isn't working out um but yeah i have found it i mean as many Twitter bitches as there are out there. So there are, there is that whole, that's a community. Um, but I do end up seeing a lot of information that seems to like come out real time and I don't have to be sitting in front of a TV. I'm not like looking at Twitter incessantly and I don't have any, 
I'm sure there's a way for like important things to pop up on your screen. I don't even know what it's called. That's how <laughs> ill-informed I am. Um, <laughs> but I just kind of scroll through and it'll be like, what have you missed from these, like, you know, X, Y, and Z person? I'll be like, oh, what did I miss? And I'll scroll through a few times a day um, just to see, you know, again, who's the next person whose rights are, next group of people whose rights are going to be removed, compromised, et cetera, um, or things like that. So yeah, Twitter, oddly. I mean, my po the podcasts I listen to are not, I don't listen to any newsy podcasts. I, I did, I tried for a while and I was like, this is, this is not fun for me in this way, so. Right. I, uh, uh, a platform of media that I wish I had more time for that I just have given up is books. Like, I, I wish <laughs> I could read books as often as I know some of my friends do um, because I also equate books with this higher level of intellect that it's better to read things than versus audiobooks. And I'm more of an audio person now. Like I would rather listen to a bunch of books on audio, but there's something about, uh, and I blame, you know, our former mentors, teachers, because it's very ingrained in us that books are really the purest form of um, consumption. And it's, it's the preferred more in intellectual way of consuming information, which I disagree with now. Mm -hmm. um, I think, yes, reading words with your eyes, words on text or text on pages, there's something about um, how you learn that improves. But um, I, if I could, I, I would, you know, listen my way through um, <laughs> a lot of things, you know. So there, there used to be a little, little bit of FOMO with all these books that I still have yet to read um, that I would put a lot of um, guilt on myself for not being able to read everything. Yeah. I actually never thought of books in terms of that. And I, I used to read a lot. When I was a kid, I used to like read incessantly. And I was the book who had, well, this was way back in the day, so I'm not going to fully date myself. Fuck it, I will. It was like in the early 90s, late 80s, early 90s. Um, and they used to have like these book clubs, uh, these reading thing through like Pizza Hut. Again, this is still in California. And if you read Wait. so many, it, was that still a thing when you were in yeah, school? Yeah, when okay. I was in school, yeah, you get these stickers to put on a button. It was like a... Yes. Uh, and then you would get a free pizza. Yeah, a free mini pizza. Okay, well, that that was such a great program. But I was the person I who was know, right? like, constantly getting those. So we were there regularly. But now as an adult, I'd be like, oh, give me an ebook real quick. And I'm, I'm going to be hopeful that I get to it um, amongst my podcast rotation. Because like you, I consume a lot of things, um, audio, uh, via audio and listening. But um, I think an audiobook is just as good, if not better, as, you know, the next thing. I used to have, a, oh, well, he's still my friend. I have a friend who would be like, oh, it's not in movie form? I'll wait. He'd <laughs> 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 be like, so it's not, I'll have to wait for the movie to come out. <laughs> so bad. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. I'm like, he's like, it's a more efficient way to consume, like, what was in the book? Granted, the movie is going to probably be different. The movie is going to be different. Right. Okay, so there's some things that we don't have in common about, you know, what you read versus what I saw. So be it. It's, it enriches the dialogue even that much more so that we can share in that information and the different ways that we consumed it. <laughs> That's a positive way to look at it, yeah. Right? And I was like, damn, that makes sense. Took you X amount of hours, days, weeks to read this. And I saw this in two hours, usually less. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that sounds like an American talking. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> right. So do you think this, you know, concept, the fear of missing out, is fear even the right word? Is it really fear of missing out or is it insert uh, expression or feeling OMO? Well, if you had a, an alternative expression or feeling to input, that might be a little bit easier to answer. So I'm going to stick with you. No, I'm fear. asking you if, uh, well, no, like, do you, can you think of, if you don't think it's fear, do you have a suggestion on what it would be then? No, sadly, off the top of my head, because I don't, I don't really live in the space of fear of missing out. I mean, I have fears in life, but the fear of missing out on something it's a tinge of a challenge to relate to because I'm like, I don't have that um, at the forefront. It's not really, I'm, like really, probably until like last year sometime, I was like, what the hell is this FOMO thing that people are talking about? And then of course I looked it up because old. Then I was like, fear missing out. And then I had to read a little bit up on it. I was like, missing out on what? Like, am I missing out on something? And I was like, oh yeah, no, 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 no. I'm not concerned about those things. So... If I had to rework, uh, so I actually do think it's fear. I think that is the emotion. But if I had to rework those letters or that statement into something else, I think fear of missing out puts the blame on the, or the emphasis on the experience. But I think really it's more of a fear of being excluded. Mm -hmm. I would put it that way. Using that expression puts the puts the action and the, the guilt more on the person, the individual. Yeah. Well, is it, I wonder, is it fear of being left out or fear of being, le- or I guess it's the same thing, of being left behind? You know what I mean? Because you're part of the, you're part of what was. And there's a point at which that group experience interaction will leave you behind. Like they're going to keep going and you're going to be like, wait, what? Huh? When did that happen? Who yeah, said think, that? Are those the same yeah, thing? Yeah, I think excluded, left behind. But it's getting along the, um, what I'm really trying to get at is um, the expression talks more about the self versus the experience. Um, okay. Fear of missing out, just it, it puts the emphasis on the fact that you're missing out on the experience versus the true, the, the true feeling is being excluded and feeling left out or feeling left behind. Or an alternative could be um, uh, fear of not being able to retell or fear of not being able to, um, kind of going back to what I was saying at the be- beginning about uh, not being able to prove or have that, that piece of evidence to show that you are part of the experience. I can dig it. Can't fully relate, but I can dig it. I see how people have that, like, the FOMO thing. It's not, like, an unreasonable thing. Again, I don't fully understand or get it, um, but it still makes sense. back and so our ask a boss question this week um we the the, truth be told the inbox was a little thin um so um feel free to email us and whatnot to thicken it up and paul's gonna remember all of the 
accounts and stuff. So that's uh, not my forte. So let me not pretend. Right. Um, but we came up with a question that um, I think we, we think about on occasion, but it just kind of popped to the forefront of our minds. Um, and I'll let you, I'll ask and you can go first, Paul. Um, what is one important skill that every person should have? Or thinking of like career skill as opposed to the street skills that you wanted to address earlier, but we're gonna we're gonna go professional skill. Pippin hose, yeah. You know. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Bet you, so. no, I'm just you either have that or you don't. That's not a skill you learn. But anywho. True. <laughs> um I think a skill that everyone should have is the ability to triage. And you can take interpret this however it means for your um, your industry, but uh, I think it's really valuable to uh, not just be versed in terms of your own, you know, whether your own team or skill area, but being able to um, know the big picture of your organization and be able to triage and work with folks from many different um, areas of your organization to really advance whatever goal or project that you're doing. So triaging is basically taking, um, being the intaker of a concern, an issue, or a problem, and being able to connect it with all the other tangential um, support offices or support teams to solve the issue. Okay, I can get that. Okay. Um, let's see. My response is, I think that an important skill that everyone should have is to be able to, it's kind of twofold. One, recognize when a, uh, a situation is not going well or needs to be adjusted in somehow and being, then being able to subsequently pivot and like course correct and change direction without a lot of hubbub mm -hmm. delay, um, emotions and feelings around that. So I think people need to be able to pivot like recognize that there's an issue, that something's not going right or well, or in the manner that it should, and then pivot in the direction, like to change direction and course correct, rather than like riding like, you know, the flaming ball of an idea to hell just because you've started, but being able to say like, this actually is not working. And so we need to correct this and not just like try it and see it all the way through, even though it's a mess from, you know, point two of 10 being like, I guess we'll just see how it turns out. And I was like, no, 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 We've, you, you got to recognize what's not going to be a good use of time, resources, and energy, and then fix it. So, yeah. If you have any questions, please, please, please um, send us your questions at headthebosspodcast at gmail.com, and we'll be right back. Mine is quick. So I have, I just have a bitch this week. Um, so it came out recently in the news, as in the news is the, the time that we're recording this, that um, 45 seemingly donated his second quarter salary of about $100,000 to the Department of Education. And 
I'm not quite sure what that person was thinking when he decided to donate $100,000 of his salary to the Department of Education, when he cut more than $9 billion from the Department of Education. And I'm like, that ain't even enough for a box of pens. Like, that's like a tiny drop. If you hadn't been such a bitch to cut so much, then you wouldn't feel, you probably don't feel compelled to donate $100,000. Somebody probably told you that that'd be a good PR move and your dumbass believed it. So I continue to be disappointed at these like small, I just, I can't with him uh, being in education. That is really a slap in the face um, that he thinks he's doing something by donating this again, pennies on the dollar while at the same time cutting roughly nine billion with a B dollars from the Department of Education. And you think a hundred thousand dollars is gonna do something? I was like, was that a real thought? So bitch to him for having no real thought. And whoever thought that, oh, this would be good to advertise and some good publicity, they that's stupid because that's not true. Like actually make a dent or like don't cut it as much. Like this isn't even this isn't rocket science by any stretch of the imagination. And if you think somebody's going to praise you or you're going to have somebody get up and talk about it, then you were wrong. We are tired. We continue to be tired of accepting less, and that's what you continue to give us even less. I mean, I guess you're meeting the shit ass expectations that we all had for you. And you know, I'm gonna go ahead and do this a slight bit of this other um, okay. uh, bitch. Okay, so the other thing that I'm going to go ahead and bring up, even though I was only going to have one bitch for this um, episode, is the fact that um, 45 had the audacity to tweet out, um, and like I said, tweet out, there was, so I don't know, like, all of a sudden, if Twitter is official, official White House communication, um, that transgender folks will no longer be able to serve in the military. Um, number one, it's a bitch ass move. Number two, how dare you announce anything like that, um, let alone anything else on Twitter. And number three, how fucking disrespectful because a year or maybe a little bit more than a year ago, yo ass was over here talking about I'm the most pro LGBT president that there will be if I get to be president and I'm here for LGBT rights and waving flags. First of all, we all knew that that was bullshit. Um, but second, to be so callous in the way that it was just like, oh, I'm just going to go ahead and do this and think that everybody's going to be fine with it. So um, bitch to him. Um, and low-key, uh, I'm super annoyed with Caitlyn Jenner for initially trying to stand up for his punk ass and then being like, I'm disappointed, 45. And I'm like, he, he has shown all of us who he is this entire time. But now we're seeing it and we're like, some of you is surprised at how surprised other people are. And I was like, He's been a butthole the whole time. Like, all these platforms that he allegedly has stood on have been butthole in nature. So I don't know why we're surprised. But, yeah. So I'm just too through with that. And uh, because apparently we need to say hashtag trans lives matter. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. Don't so let me get to I, reading more about this because then I'll be really <laughs> pissed. Okay, I'm sorry. So I just have a bitch ass and um, it goes to the uh, NRA, the National Rifle Association. 
Um, They released this commercial and the only the only positive thing I can pull from this is that it's like wow we as liberals or democrats or whatever you want to call us on the other side um, it's it still reminded me of how important it important it is to know what the conservatives or the republicans or however you want to name them are thinking um as twisted and as cringeworthy as it may be to listen to this stuff it's important to know their side so that we can better um come up with arguments and solutions to some of their twisted thinking so i'm gonna play the audio of this commercial um it's really short They use their media to assassinate real news. They use their schools to teach children that their president is another Hitler. They use their movie stars and singers and comedy shows and award shows to repeat their narrative over and over again. And then they use their ex-president to endorse the resistance, all to make them march, make them protest, make them scream racism and sexism and xenophobia and homophobia, to smash windows, burn cars, shut down interstates and airports, bully and terrorize the law-abiding, until the only option left is for the police to do their jobs and stop the madness. And when that happens, they'll use it as an excuse for their outrage. The only way we stop this, the only way we save our country and our freedom is to fight this violence of lies with the clenched fist of truth. I'm the National Rifle Association of America, and I'm freedom's safest place. So this woman is speaking with a lot, a lot, a lot of um, an admin attitude and um, is really calling out things that we do in a very twisted perception um, as we probably do for their side too but i like to believe that we view things with the lens of truth and not with a twisted perception but um i'm just giving a bitch ass to them for um you know twisting our words and taking what we believe as um, human rights, civil rights. <laughs> like, I don't understand how you can take um, our frustration for not having rights as your um, your um, leverage to saying that, you you know, we need guns, we need to stop this absurd violence. We're, we're not causing violence. Maybe if you just actually treat us human, as human beings, this wouldn't be an issue. So it, I, I'm, it's just a bitch ass to them for even having this platform to promote this message because guess what there's a lot of fucking people in the nra there are a lot of people and this um this you know video has received already over a million views so it's disturbing to know that um people actually support this viewpoint that commercial is high-key racist and shitty I've seen it like a few times and I saw the woman speak on, I think she responded to it on CNN and got the real smooth clap back. Um, and I can't remember who she got the clap back from, but it was great. But I was like, could you <laughs> be any more racist? Like cause easily insert like marginalized group in there. Racist, homophobic, like all those things that she said. And I was like, yeah, that's, that, that's what you're promoting right now. Cause she's like, they, if you don't think we know who they is, come on now. 
gosh, the world. Okay. Yeah. Well, that wraps up our show for the week. Please um, hit us up on the social. You know, we're on Facebook uh, and Twitter. And you can email us at headbosspodcast at gmail.com. Please listen to our show and also rate us on Apple Podcasts. But you can also listen to us and comment on SoundCloud, Stitcher, as well as Google Play. All right. That's all we have for you. And have a good one. See you in a couple weeks. Bye.